0: Welcome to Thinking Reimagined,
1: produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website, Lives. Abundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth,
0: and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for for a better better global global society. society.
1: The Euro 2020 final has turned the world's attention again to the ugly reality of discrimination against the marginalized people so england had reached a, uh, their fight their very first final in a major tournament in 55 years and despite taking the lead against italy they drew one one after extra time before a penalty shootout Cut the story short they lost the shootout and all the three england players who missed their penalty kicks have now been subjected to some form of racist abuse on social media that has now sparked a wave of condemnation across england leading prime minister boris johnson to promise changes in the law to allow perpetrators of such online attacks to be banned from matches let's talk about the issue of racism and what now appears to be the erosion of Humanity. My name is Nifemi Ogunto, I am joined by Dr. Ama, Executive Director, Leave Abundantly, and Miss Sotimino of Paternity Issues. Hello ladies, thank you for joining on this episode. Thank you, Nifemi.
2: Thank you. Great.
1: Thankfully you can hear me. Let me begin with Ms. Sotimino. The opinion is that football merely amplifies the realities in the society and that the racist outburst against the likes of Marcus Rashford, Jordan Sancho and Bukola, uh, Bukayo Saka, isn't alien to that society. Why do you think this remains an issue in 2021 in a country like England, a country as civilized as England?
2: Thank you, Nifemi, for that question. You asked if um, why a civilized country such as the United Kingdom should still have um, racism as a, a major concern. It still is a major concern because um, they're obviously overt types of uh, experiences of racism and there's obviously the covert the you know undertones of racism the issue um, surrounding racism in football and sports it has been actually very topical this year Uh, there have been uh, footballers that have um, young younger footballers who have decided to resign early uh not to proceed with their footballing career due to the fact that they just could not take the amount of abuse that was uh, lashed out at them actually and um a lot of them the younger ones have felt that they you know it affects their self-esteem in so many ways and nothing was being done by the football federations to address this and I think it was very—it's—it's it's very poignant that this happened at Wembley last week, and it was obvious that this is what the footballers, the black footballers, have been complaining about for for a long time, and they were not believed, or they were told that you know it was just part and parcel of the deal. Um, they were told not to worry, and now the whole world could see it. The issue now is, you know, obviously getting to um, name. Uh, the perpetrators of the abuse apparently they use um, fake accounts and things like that Um, the reality is this is going to continue if nothing is done about it having a fake account is just an excuse i I believe the networks can be you know the, the, the messages can be traced actually to the owners and and these footballers have mentioned the same thing that you know if it was a terrorist attack with a fake account they would get to the you know to the root of it um tensions have actually been on the rise also um in terms of you know taking the knee whether footballers should be taking the knee the relationship between football and uh, politics uh whether there should be a separation between football and politics and people have come back to say no Um, in sports such as boxing mohammed ali spoke about politics did a lot uh for, for you know the civil rights movement and so on and that there is a relationship and footballers have a duty to actually um get involved so to speak
1: okay so um let me let me get dr Ama's opinion on this so when you hear dr Ama speak you can tell that um, like you she's also spent um, a long time outside nigeria i don't know where exactly it was dr amma is it the us or the uk
0: funny for hmm. me thank you i am british so <laughs> british. i was Absolutely thrilled yes. that we reached the finals um, for the very first time. Absolutely thrilled and looking forward to England bringing home the cup. And um, I was disappointed in the outcome, but very proud of the achievements of all of the individuals who participated, particularly the young men that you have referenced. Here's my thing, and here's my take um racism is a form of discrimination and we all know that discrimination has been around for um eons we may not ever be able to eradicate discrimination but what bothers me is the level of discrimination that is still ongoing and the 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 way that it is um the way that it comes through, and the mediums that people are now using to express their micro or macro aggression towards a people or a person based on their race. And I know that we're we're sort of limiting this to racism, but I want us to think about discrimination and uh, along the spectrum where it affects gender, it affects sexual orientation, ethnicity, um and recognize that we all we are all responsible for eradicating this and it has to start in the home for example in Nigeria there's a lot of tribalism where from a very young age children have already begun to learn what it means to be Igbo versus Yoruba versus Hausa, and these biases start at such a young age and they're there and they proliferate as the years go on to the point where I I think it was on our last zoom um, program with the children where they actually talked about this occurring at school in the boarding houses and children being subjected to physical abuse so this is an issue that everyone has to address and we need to tackle it and it starts in the home moves into schools and then it goes into the larger community. But it is, it is very distressing, the level of microaggression and, ma- and macroaggression that's going on in the world, because we want to believe that we've reached a place where we see each other as one. Well, clearly we don't, and it's become even more evident. And the fact that they will select, highlight these three players who are part of the larger culture, and who are representing a country to this kind of um, online abuse. And I know there was verbal as well, um, and all forms of it are going on. It, it's very disturbing, and I am most concerned that it is not a subject that we address wholeheartedly, and yet it needs to be on the forefront of our discussions and the, and the changes that we bring forth.
1: Absolutely, it, against sports like football, only highlights all of these issues, you know, and just mirror the reality in the society. But I would love us to break it down even more. I don't know, Michelle Taminu, you currently live in London. Have you had any of such racist comment or any such experience in that light?
2: Um, I, I wouldn't say personally, But I would say that there are always undertones um, in in the wider community so for example the idea that a black person would most likely um, be a shoplifter for example you you know so going to a shop and being followed for example um, maybe they don't believe you can afford to pay or maybe they believe that they don't want you there so that other customers don't come in Um, there are always undertones of of racism in I, I think in every society but it's when it gets to this to the rate um that was exhibited last week that we need to be concerned as dr amma said you know racism is a, a larger word but there is the micro microaggression the the, the tribalism uh, that goes on as well amongst um you know citizens of a particular country i mean even in the uk the the scots are made fun of the welsh are made fun of and the english you know feel that they're superior to the scots and the welsh and the irish um maybe that's because the queen resides in in uh, england most of the time although she has her residences in scotland i'm not sure where that comes from um, so there's all there are always elements of this, but as a black person living in the in the, in London, London is a very diverse diverse community, and there are many successful you know black, um, you know community leaders and professionals in, in London as well.
1: Um, the issue of the fight against this form of discrimination has um, over the time assumed a global dimension. An example is how the Black Lives Matter campaign resonated internationally. And I've heard Dr. Ama talk about the fact that some of these issues or some of these tendencies are sown as seed from a very young age. But Dr. Ama, talk to us, what main factors would you say constantly fuels this form of prejudice and discrimination even with the rich history of outcries that we've had against such.
0: Um, Thank you, Nifami, for that question, but it goes back to biases. When you think that your racial group, or you think that your gender, or your sexual orientation is superior to another, then you create biases in terms of how you think of the other, how you speak of the other, how you perceive the other, to the point that you can actually nullify the experience of another based on their gender orientation, sorry, based on their gender orientation, yes, or their sexuality or their race. Um, For example, there's this idea that children from single parent homes do not do as well as children from what we would call the nuclear family, the traditional mom and dad nuclear family. That's a fallacy. There's so many children, successful individuals who came from single-parent homes. There's also a perception that you know children of african-american heritage do not perform as well in school and even more so when they have they come from a single parent household that is a misconception and what you've done is that you've taken a, a, a group of people and you've applied one lens to their lives and you're looking at them from that um perspective or the idea that a a gay person or transgender should i just say lgbtqai plus is less than a human being these are all forms of microaggression or macroaggression that is implicit in how people communicate these ways these days and it's very subtle it is it is a comment that is meant to be derogatory or to nullify um, a being, and it, it starts in the home because that's where the loyalty to your race or to your ethnic group begins. And parents need to be mindful of the comments that they make against others. You know, I briefly talked about tribalism in Nigeria. Those who reside in Nigeria, and I think all of us here are very aware of it where you know are you i mean the first question people want to know is are you yoruba or evil or Hausa? what difference does it make i'm a human being treat me as a human being but you see it in offices you see it in companies where they use these things to decide who they're going to employ and how they're going to treat them but if we just see ourselves as part of the human race and we recognize that we're all bringing in gifts that we can use in our jobs, in our workplace, in our in our in our communities, um, then we begin to work better and work collaboratively to get things done. But when we start to micro visualize and use lenses of discrimination, lenses of um, um, bias to look at people, then we create a world where. We're not looking at them as just footballers we're looking at them as black footballers and in that essence they no longer exist all of their contributions are nullified or even their own feelings about what has occurred
1: it's vacant indeed dr amma here is talking about the need to look beyond our you know social or even religious affiliation to first identify each person as human um one would think that education is pivotal to this because a lot of uh, learning is required and i appreciate the fact that both of you are stakeholders in that sector miss shotamina you you teach in london i suppose one would think that you know united kingdom with a very sophisticated educational system would one way or the other have inculcated this into you know its curriculum and um, help people who consider themselves, you know, supremacists or superior to others would have learned, you know, to appreciate Dr. Anna's position. How much impact would you say education has had on this over the years?
2: I think there's um, a lot being done in the area of education um, in terms of, um, let, you know, educating the children in all areas uh, that discrimination is wrong. Um, they are doing a really, really admirable job. I think we need to divorce the fact that, you know, whatever the education sector is doing and from what, is, what has happened in Wembley. What has happened in Wembley is actually, I would say, it's something that has been going on, as I said initially, in sports. Um, I'll borrow from one of my old students' um, a dissertation, I'll quote, uh, dissertation piece. He wrote in November 2019, the organization Kick It Out, football's anti-racism group, had reported an 11% rise in reports of players facing discriminatory abuse in the season prior. Racism by uh, was up by staggering 33%, as homophobia was also up by 12%. What is mind-blowingly worrying is that the results do not even take into account all of the unreported reports of abuse and discrimination that players have faced. There is something going on in sports whereby for whatever reason they are just not dealing with the racism that is happening the reality is the black players are very very skilled and when they lose or when something happens they take it out on the black players they just don't you know understand that they're not supposed to do this they're not supposed to call out and blame the black players even if they in in times before that it wasn't even about a, a penalty if they just didn't win a match and there was a black player on the team, they would pick on the black player. It was just a way of venting. Uh, it was it. It is a terrible situation in sports. It's not just the black players. It's the Pakistani players, play, you know, mixed race players. Any player that's just not Caucasian fully has had to experience this. So I wouldn't necessarily, Nifemi, say that it's the education system. As Dr. Amos said, a lot of the learning goes on at home. Uh, the school can say don't do this, don't do this. But if the parents are saying something else, if the parents are teaching their children that uh, we are not equal, the children will, you know, take with a pinch of salt <laughs> what the teacher is saying. It's the same with religion. So in some schools, you're not allowed to be religious you're not allowed to you know have any forms of worship in some schools not all schools there's church of england schools and the uk catholic schools and so on but there are some schools that you're not allowed to have any form of religion does it mean that the children will go home and not uh, carry on with their religion no so what happens at home actually matters a lot more i think the racist uh abuses uh, stemming from obviously the foundational issues from home and what is going on at home actually in the families in the home in the family home. you
1: know what the parents teach is also very critical and it's part of the education that i'm talking about we're going to um talk about the prevalence of this prejudice in africa in a bit but i want you also just um call your attention to the fact that there is so much intolerance when when we look at sports There's a video that has gone viral online. I'm not sure most um, British traditional media uh, 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 um, carry the story of um, very fanatic English football supporters literally um, beating up Italian supporters after that particular match. But let's stay with the Euro 2020 for a bit. Um, And I want us to look at some of the developments that have been widely covered in the media there are more people i believe and more organizations speaking out against racism um you know and all other forms of discrimination today than before in our history the european football's governing body uefa uh, condemned what it termed disgusting racist abuse after that particular match and it stood by the players and also calling for the strongest possible punishment for um people who are considered to be corporates in this issue. On Monday too, um, the lead to side, Leighton Orient said that it was going to ban a fan for life in connection with the social media abuse. We've also seen the Prime Minister Boris Johnson being very vocal recently um, against this latest development. However, many are of the opinion that leadership hasn't in fact done enough. For instance, the Johnson administration has come under fire by those who say it has in one way or the other aided in fueling the abuse directed at players by not doing more to condemn those who in the players taking a knee. You recall that um, at the beginning of the Euro competition itself, we saw England's players taking a knee before games to highlight a fight against racial inequality. And this was long before the penalties were taken. And at that point, a section of the fans in the stadium booed them. As a matter of fact, Home Secretary Priti Patel, you know, dismissed that action, calling it gesture politics, arguing that um, booing England players was a choice for fans to make. Dr. Hamad, do you see leadership playing a more critical role in this regard? And I'm particularly concerned about political leadership globally.
0: Um, you know, Nifemi. As a global citizen, I will say this: leadership must take a stand against all forms of discrimination or aggression of any sort. Um, I don't know that they have made it a priority, because you can only make something a priority if you have firsthand experience becomes more important, or if you recognize that it is affecting the way the society comes together. I do believe that um, by taking the knee, it's a gesture of support and also bringing awareness to what is going on. But it really requires more than just taking the knee. It requires open discussions. It requires changing how we socialize our children. It requires opening up our educational system to teach more about different cultures, increase and change the type of literature that we expose our children to, um, and also force communities to talk about what makes us all the same and what makes us different, but celebrate what makes us one, humanity, but at the same time, Our differences allow us to thrive, allow us to bring something to the table. So everyone has value. But, um, and and then of course, you know, I I would always jump into discussions about gender, Um, having more balance in terms of leadership where you are seeing a greater range of people who represent the community is very important. I think that these kinds of things have to be overt, explicit, and and when that occurs people start to see the shift, the change in mindset, so that they now recognize that certain behaviors, certain biases, Um, are just not appropriate and are not going to be tolerated. So yes, I do believe that leaders, and when I say leaders, I'm not just talking about political leaders, I'm talking about leaders as a whole need to have these discussions and need to bring it to the forefront for change to truly begin to occur and have a meaningful society that embraces all and values each person, each being is, is of value. You have been listening to Thinking
1: Reimagined. Changing the mindset for a better global society. So Ms. again, I know that in previous episodes we had talked about the Twitter ban in Nigeria. Um, with this latest development, we see another relationship between racism and the renewed call to regulate social media. So Prime Minister Boris Johnson um, I was planning to hold talks with um, talks about online abuse with companies including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and it has to do with um, the level of abuse that we've seen on that platform in the past days. Dr. Ama shared with me um, Bokayo Saka's um, statement uh, just a few minutes ago, and I want to read out a paragraph to you. So I'm quoting him now. To the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I don't want any child or adult to have to receive the hateful and hurtful messages that me, Marcos, and Jaden have received this week. I knew instantly the kind of hate that I was about to receive, and that's a sad reality that your awful platforms are not doing enough to stop these messages and well, we had this conversation in the context of Nigeria. It was about the freedom of speech.
2: Okay, so I believe um, the question was about regulating the social media platforms. I, um, On one hand, I believe that everybody should be allowed to express themselves. But on the other hand, they should only be allowed to express themselves if it does not cause harm or damage to anybody else. So in, in order to get this done it does need to be regulated. The reality is this form of regulation it has to take is not an uh, an outright ban, uh, like in some countries such as China, where certain uh, social media networks are banned. I believe in Dubai there's WhatsApp, but not WhatsApp calling and uh, videoing. Uh, I think some sort of regulation needs to take place, but a lot of funding has to be um, poured into it so that you're not taking away individual rights of expression. Um, what one terms as um, bad behaviour might not be termed as bad behaviour by somebody else. But the reality is we all know as, as humans what is wrong and what is right. Um, we all know what racism is, whether they're undertones or overtones. We all know what anti-Semitism is. We all know what, what you know, Islamophobia is uh, and, and so on. I, I do think they need to be regulated and the perpetrators need to be brought to book. Um, when we were talking about the issue about football and racism football racism in football you know uh, again to uh, um, allude to what my I I heard from one of the students uh, he, he wrote nobody transforms into a racist after walking into a football stadium they bring their views in from outside whether that is most likely from their parents or how they've been raised they're a product of their environment so the reality is in order for these changes to take place yes they need to be There needs to be uh, a a huge movement of maybe communities getting together to enlighten the youth. But really, a lot of work needs to be done generally. And in order to do this adequately, yes, the social media platforms need to be um, regulated in in some way.
0: You know, I would like to add this. There's a perception that social media is not regulated, which is not true. Because if you look at the, the agreement that we sign, or we agree to when we click onto the social media networks, they do specify that certain content and behavior is not acceptable. I agree with Miss Abby that everybody is aware of when they're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. We all recognize the, the various forms of discrimination that exists and that it is not suitable online or even when you're communicating with people in any form whether it's verbal or non-verbal it's just not suitable behavior now what we're doing is we're blaming social media as well this is my perception that there's a shift in blame on social media because they're not taking these things up as quickly But we have to recognize that until people do certain things and they're able to set up the algorithms to recognize it and to delete it, we cannot dump everything on social media. These types of behaviors, as Miss Abby has just stated, comes from the home, comes from the society. So we have to go back to those places and address those issues and make them a priority So that it does not spill over into social media or into general communication with others so there is regulation and there's probably going to be more regulation of social media but it is not social media's responsibility it is the responsibility of the people to to know and to do the right thing at all times and it is not acceptable to discriminate against another person micro or macro explicit or, inexplic- or inexplicit or Im- explicit or implicit it's just not ex- acceptable behavior at all
2: yes i wanted to add something there that you are absolutely correct dr amma you know um it for example in london now we are experiencing high we've always for the last uh, two three years it's been an, uh, you know a knife crime has been an issue where in certain pockets of areas of london and also all over the uk in pockets of areas there's a, a lot of knife crime whereby young teenagers and uh, young adults uh possess num you know uh, belong to gangs and uh, stab people to collect their phones or there's uh you call it gang crime and they use knives obviously because they don't have access to guns unlike in america where you can get a gun license you can get an act you can get the access to guns but here it's actually knife crime at the schools they can they continuously talk about not buying knives not going out to buy knives do not get involved with gangs they're continuously educating in the communities they're educating the boys black boys white boys asian boys who have knives do not buy knives do not attack each other with knives but the question remains that somebody's selling the knives to the boys are they buying these knives online are they living at home a 14 year old 13 year old is living at home is he receiving a package which online site is selling these knives to the boys which shop is sell which shops are selling these knives to the boys the responsibility must be shared also the parents even if you ask them to check their children's bags they probably hit the knives in the garden it's a very very difficult role for just one um part to play there needs to be um, you know, a concordance of some sort where they, everybody gets together to reduce this. Actually, knife crime has reduced because, you know, obviously a lot of shops are asking for IDs and not just, you know, bus passes to, to buy these knives. They're asking for passports. They're asking for an adult to be present and so on. So there has been a reduction, but it's, it's a continued effort by many, many parties, not just one.
1: All right. So um, we're rounding up now. I just want us to pay attention to um, issues back at home because the issue of racial hate uh, has been central to violence, you know, across history. Um, Adolf Hitler killed over 6 billion Jews because of racial hate. Um, um, The Rwanda genocide comes to mind. The Tutsi and the Hutus inspired by hate. Even our own Nigerian Biafra war was inspired by hate. And there appears to be this huge burden of tribalism as we speak in Africa. Uh, Dr. Ama touched on that earlier on when she mentioned the fact that when people meet you, uh, perhaps the first thing they want to know about you is where you're from. Um, In Nigeria, the issue of um, headsmen, headers, farmers conflict has been, you know, really colored with ethnicity and um, you know, racial prejudice and the rest, but talk to us how we can move on, you know, and rise from this that you mentioned about the issue of parents impacting the right knowledge, but who tells the parents what to do? Is it a matter of education? Is it a matter of um, implementing our laws? How do you see the African community rise above this, Dr. Amma?
0: Um, Nifemi, I mentioned that the very first thing that people want to know is where you from. What's your ethnic group? Are you Yoruba, Hausa, whatever it might be in between? I think that's the first place to begin, because all the forms that you fill out in Nigeria require that you state your state of origin, your languages that you speak, your local government, your blah 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 blah. All of these things are required. What are we doing with that information? And why is it important for us to do that? Because anywhere else in the world, and as I mentioned, I'm a global citizen, nobody is asking these things unless it's absolutely necessary for census figures or because you're doing some demographic study. But you don't have to get ai mean, to get a license, you don't need to state your ethnic group your your languages, your local government, when you make that such an important factor and it starts as a young age, you begin to create this climate of superiority. You know, oh the Igbos are brilliant and, and, and they're very good at manufacturing fake products. or oh, the Yoruba's are intellectuals or oh, the houses are they, they they they're not so bright but they they're in the, they're the leaders and all of those things. There is no need for that. Because if you say you are Nigerian, which is what happens when you leave Nigeria, all of this disappears when you leave Nigeria, we're just, oh, we're Nigerian, we're Nigerian. That question does not come up when you're outside this country. But when you're in this country, the question of your ethnic group is the very first thing that people want to know, because immediately you're put into a bucket. And based on the buckets that they put you in, they now start to go into their buyer's box as to how to perceive you, how to relate to you, and who you possibly could be. It's not necessary. It it just leads to disharmony and the need to be loyal to your ethnic group uh, and to work with only those within your ethnic group and a, a level of mistrust that should not exist in a country that says we are one. Clearly, it's not the case. So again, it goes back to starting with the family, starting with the community, and the government making this a very poignant um, topic and addressing the issues. You should not need to use that data to determine how you allocate funds, where you allocate funds who gets a job where they get that job and all of the other stuff that goes on um within the country
1: thank you so much dr anna um, let me get your final thoughts on these miss shotiminu uh, we're told that the issue of um abuse against colored school pupils increased aftermath the england defeat during the euro 2020 talk to us about how young people um, can navigate this reality on one hand is racism and discrimination on the other divide is racial hate when you perceive that there are these supremacists who don't like you who don't want you to excel and then there is also this minority that begin to gather up hatred against another race or another group gradually over time culminating to you know violence and the likes how do you expect a young child who's experiencing this um navigates all of these um, negative experiences
0: Um, i'm sorry to interrupt um i just wanted to clarify something racism is a form of discrimination it's a subset of discrimination so discrimination is prejudice right and prejudice can occur based on your race your age your sex your your sexual orientation your religion all of those things so we really need to clarify that racism is a form of discrimination it's on a spectrum
1: absolutely miss sotamini can i have your thoughts on these as we wrap up
2: yes thank you nefemi I, um, I mean, I need to touch on what uh, Dr. Ama said previously, um, that she's absolutely correct. And the fact is, we we are taught to have pride in who we are, pride in our culture, our cultural backgrounds, our cultural groups. Um, Yet when this and but, but when this is bordering on xenophobia, um, it is absolutely wrong when you feel that you're superior to another. It's absolutely wrong. So also um, in, in the UK, we um, encourage black children, uh, children of other races to be proud to be black or, and of other races. We encourage them, you know, to be proud of their hair, for example. And and it is a shame that in, in so doing, they are seen as threats to others. In so doing... Um, they are forced to maybe not voice themselves a- anymore the way that we want them to due to what is going on. Now we didn't realize in the UK that there was such um, there were so many extremist um, fascist should I say groups. Uh, right-wing groups and youngsters who did not actually have any love for their black counterparts. We did not realize this until a lot of information has now been shared um, to us as educators and also in in the media. And with the youth, what we are telling them to do is not to fear, not to worry, to be themselves and to report. The only thing they can do is to report. They cannot confront, but they must report. Yes, we know that reporting isn't... um, doesn't get the results, but at least you've reported. You know, uh, you've told, you have reported this to the authorities. You've reported the abuse or your fears so that you are protected, and th- and that's really all they can do. Because the reality is, if a a black child stands up for himself, uh, the child could easily be victimized and accused for starting uh, starting the fight in the first place. Um, oftentimes the black teenagers are being told not to fight back because oftentimes and maybe this is just a i don't know what it is maybe it's just a saying they say that the black children will win so the best thing for them to do is not to react but to report and i totally agree that they should report at all times
1: a big thank you dr amma and miss shotamino i think i'm going home with the fact that call it microaggression um an instance of um, subtle or on in, in, intentional discrimination against the marginalized people calling it up racism, prejudice, antagonism, whatever you know the fact that the bottom line is that certain people as be, are being discriminated against you know we talked about tribalism earlier there is this tribal consciousness and loyalty to a group uh, that exalts them above every other group bottom line is that everyone has a role to play in all of this, and the action, the call to action begins with all of us. A big thank you to Executive Director, Leave abundantly Dr. Ama, and of course, uh, Ms. Sotimino, Ms. Abby Sotimino of parties, fatality issues, thank you so much for your contribution on this episode. We'll see you again uh, when we return with another one, I am Nifemio Guntoye. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Thinking Reimagined.
1: We invite you to subscribe to our podcast
0: and welcome your comments, insights, and learnings
1: as we strive to transform our global society.
0: A change in mindset,
1: engagement,
0: collaboration, dialogue, awareness,
1: and education.
0: Thinking Reimagined. Reimagined.
1: Changing Changing the the mindset for a better
2: better
0: global
1: society. society. (music) Thank <music> you.